You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Hello and welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best goddamn podcast for the best goddamn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's up, Grump? Another uh, another week closer to the regular season. We got one horrible preseason game done, three to go. Nobody is seriously hurt, and that's the big win in my book, so... That's the big news, actually. So I went on a tweet storm during the preseason game on Friday. At football underscore grump, you can find me for all in-game live tweeting, especially during the preseason, a little bit less during the regular season, only because it's difficult at MetLife Stadium to be (laughs) tweeting constantly, especially with gloves on and... And me right next to you in your ear bothering you about everything, so... (laughs) Yes, and you as well were a little bit in on the game at the cranky fan yeah i was uh i to be very fair i was sitting at a uh, a poolside in panama city beach this weekend i was not at the game uh following along you know via twitter and stuff um but it doesn't mean i did not go back and watch it thoroughly afterwards but uh yeah grump was definitely on, on it for the good excellent live tweeting kept me as i was actually sitting there so good job thanks um, I, I was very intrigued to see, uh, you know, we went over this last week, the, the guys that we wanted to keep an eye out for, who we were looking forward to seeing. But the big thing is that, and I tweeted this, is that preseason is more about avoiding injury than it is to proving to the fans that you can make a highlight reel. Preseason, and we've said this a hundred times before, if you follow us on Twitter or you know us personally, are meaningless for the fan. They have a lot of value for the coaching staff, a lot of value for the general manager, a lot of value for the players. They mean nothing to the fan. It's the biggest ripoff in sports having to pay to watch basically a practice. You know, it's billed as giant stealers. Sounds exciting. Well, when there's no Eli, there's no Ben, there's no Le'Veon Bell, there's no Odell Beckham, there's none of this and none of that. Anything you can take from what you saw or any conclusions you make or any just, you know, over the top you know, exclamations about anything are all a big waste of time. So that goes to the fans and even goes to some of the, the Twitter maniacs out there that all of a sudden the sky is falling or, you know, they're going to the Super Bowl from what they saw. It, it's utterly ridiculous. It would take a tremendous performance through all four preseason games to, you know, make a big impact on – you know, the roster and stuff like that. If you remember, it took Victor Cruz had a sensational preseason to get a roster spot. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of stories. And most of those guys are getting the lat, like the 51st, the 50th through the 53rd roster spot. So, um, so, so with that, yeah. what did go, you see, Grump? Well, going right into that, we can go into who didn't play that we couldn't evaluate. Um, Sterling Shepard was held out as a precaution due to his rolled ankle. Um, Tavares King as well. Keenan Robinson was still recovering from a concussion, so he wasn't even allowed to play even if they wanted to. Robert Thomas is dealing with lower body soreness, and Mark Herzlick has some issue that I forget. He didn't play either. Those are all guys that are starters, or at least we are pretty certain are going to make the roster. The healthy scratches were Eli Manning, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Dominic Rogers-Camardi, and Odell Beckham Jr. And how many snaps did Brandon Marshall have? Brandon Marshall had Two? two snaps. Two snaps. So basically it was a healthy scratch. Yeah. Well, essentially, yeah. So I'm just going to call out the guys that I think stood out that 
uh, were enough to be encouraging. I won't say getting get excited about, but the number one guy for me that stood out, and this is going to sound stupid, but Landon Collins. Landon Collins looks like he's in midseason form from last year. He he looks like he there was no off season. He's just going. I, I have uh, I have my little notes here, and I have Landon Collins. And I have one word: beast. He was unstoppable. I think I tweeted something along the lines of uh, Landon Collins is trying to get the most tackles in, in like in the preseason in the league. Something along the lines of that. I, I couldn't even believe it. I think it was like the first three plays he was making the tackle on every single one of them. And they, it's not as if, you know, him being a safety, he was making it 30 down, yards downfield. You know, they were all at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He was everywhere in coverage. He was everywhere at the line. He was just flying all over the place. It was an immediate too. You know, it was just like, wow. This is a guy that, you know, a lot of offseason hype of how good he was last year and all of a sudden comes right out of the gate. I would have had him out of the game after the first series, to be very honest. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was actually feeling the same way. I was a little worried seeing him back there so much because, you know, I think we saw enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. It's pretty much just showing us, okay, last year wasn't a fluke. He looks like he's in top shape. He'll, he'll get his workouts in during the, uh, the practice uh, schedule during the week. Doesn't need to be in this situation. Uh, the other guy that I saw that really, really stood out to me, and I'm not doing this in order from offense, defense, whatever, but the next guy that I that really stood out to me was Jay Bromley. Mm-hmm. Jay Bromley was in there like crazy in the trenches, and he even turned Ramon Foster around and made a huge run stuff in the backfield. I have in my notes Bromley versus Tomlinson for defensive tackle starting battle, not as clear-cut as you think. I mean, I think uh... – you know, there's going to be some pressure for Tomlinson to, you know, to eventually take the reins and start at some point in this year. And, and Bromley looked fantastic, I thought. You know, yeah. It, it's a it's what's a his relief. contract story? Is he is he a free agent after this year or he has been uninspiring as a third round pick? He was a relative unknown in the draft community. Not not in, in the draft community they knew who he was, but third round was a little bit high for him. Uh, the Giants were on that spree that year of taking all captains, team captains, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, they thought they saw something in his ability that they could develop, which it, it appears to me is starting to turn true because this isn't just the preseason game. All offseason I've been hearing about what Jay Bromley's done. And, yes, his contract it, is up in 2018. So this is his contract year. Yeah, so, I mean, if he, if he just, you know, has a fantastic contract year and even if he walks, that's enough time before Tomlinson can maybe step in and start next year. So it's not – it's, you know, he gets to develop in the system at his own pace, and I think that's great. Yeah, and and to be honest, Dalvin Tomlinson's one of the guys I have listed as a standout. I didn't expect Tomlinson to come in right away and, you know, compete for a starting spot. I, and you know, Jonathan Hankins didn't come in and get a starting spot right away, but he, against second teamers, he looked like a beast. Uh, you know, it looked like he probably belonged with the first teamers to get his feet wet. I, th- I think they should consider giving him first team reps. Um, at least one of the upcoming preseason games. I, I think you'll see that. I don't think this is a decided race by any stretch, so I think you'll see that. One of the other guys that really stood out to me, um, Bobby Hart looked great. But in, in all honesty, in this game, both starting tackles did not look bad. I know two sacks were from TJ Watt, who is Eric Flowers' man. It, it takes only a cursory search of people who watch the game to come to the conclusion that Josh Johnson ran right into those sacks. It was not Eric Flowers' fault. Bobby Hart looked much more fluid than Eric Flowers. He looked very, very developed. I, not, not that he Eric Flowers looked bad either, but to me, the leap that Bobby Hart has made since the last time I saw him to this time is palpable. Yeah. Oh, I think Eric Flowers, I think 
Giant fans have to recalibrate what Eric Flowers is going to be. I think if you continuously kind of compare him against the measuring stick of a first-round draft pick who is supposed to be the cornerstone left tackle for the next dozen years, I think you know that's not what he's going to be. I mean, can he still be a serviceable starting left tackle for the next you know few years? And you know, if he goes away in free agency or you know we we bring in someone to replace him, I think that's a reasonable expectation for him. Um, you know. He, you know, can he do the job? You know, is he going to make mistakes? Yeah. Is he ever going to, you know, have bad technique? And is he going to resort to grabbing and, and the bad holes at the wrong time? Well, hopefully that gets minimized. You know, it sounded like in the offseason he was, you know, around the facility all the time and learning. But, you know, it might be a two step forward, one step back thing with this guy. So I think the, the, the faster Giant fans try not to, you know, think of him in terms of, you know, being what we draft him to be and other than what he actually is, I think people won't get so pissed off every time they hear his name. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where people aren't going to have a reaction to his name. Um, but it really would behoove everybody to just manage your expectations, but, but just yeah. manage it based on a year to year change. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know we're all expecting him to take a night, another leap, but to just expect him to be the first round draft pick that we hoped he would be coming from last year is expecting a giant leap. You can't expect a giant leap. You got to take improvements as they come. Again, the guy can still run block. He does a really good job at run blocking. You know, his problems are in technique with fast guys going around the edge worm. You know, that's something where hopefully technique will get better. You know, he's a, he's a very tall guy. He's never going to be a guard. Nope. You know, and let's just, you know, I, I don't think it's a now or never thing with Eric flowers. He's not, devolving into something worse you know he's not 34 and, and getting old you know he's still rising so everybody i think this team even this offensive line is not going to be made or broken based on him and it's important to note and i've said this before and i i guess maybe maybe people want to listen to this maybe people forget this but bobby hart is 22 years old eric flowers is 23 years old well the entire offensive line is still pretty young if you want to talk about pew and you know, about uh Ritzburg, i mean these guys are still on their their rookie contracts. Yep. I mean, you know, and even uh, DJ Fluker is still a relatively young guy too. He just came so off we're not talking rookie contract. Yeah, we're we're not talking about you know how this this offensive line was three four years ago where you had a bunch of older guys you know Breaking fighting down, for, for yeah. exactly. I mean, this is still a young you know an offensive line where basically other than Fluker everybody's back together from last year we obviously need to see results we need to see a better run game we need to see better pass protection we need to see those type of things we we need to stop seeing the bad penalties at the wrong time but you know i still think there is upside to this offensive line um you know and if not changes will be made going forward i think i think we rolled the dice a little bit with this core group you know especially with the two tackles to see we can improve on their own having to spend any money on it. And, and we'll see if that actually pans out or not. But if we see what we saw last year, there will be changes. Absolutely. But but also let's let it be known, no matter what we hear in practice, and we'll, we'll get to what Eric Flowers has done in practice, but the game situation going up against TJ Watt, there was no penalties for Eric Flowers and uh, no holds, nothing. He kept his man blocked. The, the two yeah. sacks were truly on Josh Johnson. And instead of going to Josh Johnson, we'll go to Geno Smith. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I think Geno Smith's under a no-pressure situation right now. To me, he's in the perfect spot right now. He, you know, he can he can be, you know, underneath the Eli, be brought along at a nice pace, and maybe, you know, 
do enough to get another job as a backup somewhere else or even start at some shitty team going forward. But, you know, I think with the pressure off of him, I, I, I think there was too much pressure on him to start right away with the Jets where I think he... He was expected to start, he was expected to turn around a team that essentially had a crumbling roster that was crumbling under, head, under a head coach that was no longer even on the hot seat. It was pretty much just a ticking clock. Yeah. There's too much for him, and, and it's too much for anybody. No matter what quarterback you bring in there was not going to succeed in that environment. Um, yeah. But, I mean, in, in terms of what we saw in the field, you know, let's remember that Geno Smith was brought in this offseason on a very low deal. After a torn ACL, and this is his first time in this offense, and you would have never guessed that. Yeah. That's, that's what's important. Like, I know he wasn't perfect. I know he made stupid mistakes. He had two picks and whatever. This guy just learned this offense. He's just started yeah. running around. He only was cleared to practice like two weeks ago. He looked incredible out there given given the circumstances. And if he continues to improve without any sort of injury setbacks and, you know, as the, as the mental errors start to, to clear up, I at this point I'm going to put him ahead of Josh Johnson. I, oh, I, I – Undoubtedly, I mean, Josh Johnson just is not like a guy who's an NFL quarterback. The guy looked very skitterish. I mean, we saw two to three little jump passes, which to me was just he was scared shitless back yeah, there. What the hell was that? And that's that's silly. Uh, you know, a guy if he doesn't have his first read, just looked like he panicked back there. So you know, those sacks were not on the offensive line. I the goal for backup quarterback for this team this year is to be a placeholder until Davis Webb is ready to be the backup next year. Pure and simple. If Eli goes down for any amount of stretch of time, this team is done. We know that. But we'd rather have Davis Webb in a situation where he can be comfortably put into that backup role and then, you know, ultimately in the way to take over this team when Eli is finished. Geno Smith looked far more comfortable throwing the ball. than, And I, you know what? I'll even be honest with you. Davis Webb looked a little bit more comfortable throwing the ball than Josh Johnson. It was clear to me watching Davis Webb against Scrubs, albeit I get it, uh, but also working with Scrubs. Let's not forget that that he looked a little jittery right away. He he sailed his first pass, but the one thing I did notice about him is that his footwork was good and he stayed calm in the pocket as it collapsed around him. He looked yeah, and like we... he had been there before. Where Josh Johnson, an eight-year vet or some shit like that. He looked like he had never before been on on a football field. Well, that's what Ryan Nassib used to look. I mean, he was with the team for you know four or five years. Even in that fifth year, he'd play in the in the first preseason game. It's like, have you guys ever been in a live game before? And Geno Smith was a, has been a starting quarterback in this league. I mean, it's not like you know he's a guy that should be completely green. He knows how to to control an offense. He's done it before, so. Yeah, I did say when they signed him that it was a great deal. They got him on the cheap, and if they were able to get anything out of him, then it was a complete win. If they didn't, it was still a win because they only spent a million bucks on him. So if they actually, if if he does win the backup quarterback spot, they have the cheapest backup quarterback probably in the league. Yeah, who uh, who can be serviceable for that in between one play and one game mode? I mean, again, if he if he lies out for two to four weeks, this team is season's probably over. Probably finished. So some other guys that stood out to me, and I was very glad that they did, were Rhett Ellison and Jarrell Adams. They looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, Jarrell mm-hmm. Adams especially. Ellison looked exactly as I had hoped he would in being that he was going to be the guy who was making key, good enough blocks in the in the short down and distance and also the guy who was open on you know third and five and could make it to, to the sticks. 
He's going to be that reliable guy out of the backfield who can break tackles. And Jarrell Adams, on the other hand, looked like probably the best blocker of the tight end group. And he's he's got the size, the measurables, and like the wingspan to be the most diverse of the tight ends in that he's going to be able to do a little bit of everything. So, you know, this this was a great uh, great showing for the both of them. It's amazing in one offseason how we've completely rebuilt the tight end core in this team. I mean, Will Ty last year was the starting tight end at the end of the season. He's not going to make the roster this year. He was the best of a bad group last year. You know, he didn't do anything extraordinary. He'd catch it and he'd go down. You know, he's just blocking, not good. And guess what? We've we've significant the biggest upgrade of any position on this team by far is tight end. Oh, for sure, without question. And I get, I mean, I guess you're adding a first round pick and you're adding a pretty decent free agent, and you know, yeah, that's going to happen, but. You know, it's one of those things where you don't have to spend a ton of money to upgrade the, the position and without being a lot better. And we've done just that. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I was impressed with the leap that Jarrell Adams has taken since last year. And Matt Lacrosse, too. <clears throat> Matt Lacrosse has um, I've everything I've read looked great uh, in the game itself. He didn't necessarily stand out, but he got a very a lot of late game snaps when things were really breaking down. It's hard Hard to judge individuals, you know. It, it was like evaluating Brandon Marshall. He got two snaps. He was never targeted. I mean, what what am I supposed to look at? Right. Um, but everything I've read for his training camp practices, Lacoste seems to have a leg up on Will Ty. But his problem yeah. has always been just staying healthy. So, right, right, and that's why also we're talking about him in terms of being the fourth tight end potentially, if we even have four tight ends. If we even have four tight ends. Um, the only right. other guy I really, really want to talk about is Kerry Wynn looked fantastic. He got this start in place of JPP, and he was a guy that I had written off as he was a bubble guy. And, you know, going up against the starters in place of JPP, he I think he had a fumble recovery, and he was he was just all over the place. I um, My standout actually was uh, Devin Taylor. Yes, Devin Taylor did look good as well. I mean, first of all, just after that pick, I was watching the, the replay for, I'm like, this is a big dude, like a tall, lean looking guy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, remember this is a guy that, you know, he started every game last year. It is another, this adds to that depth we have on the, on the defensive line. So he stood out to me as some way it was like, hmm, interesting. So everything I had read was that he, he was making a push for that defensive end spot, um, he almost looks like a guy who can stand up and rush to me. Yeah. This one game is not enough for me to really uh, judge how to play him, but he he, he ah. looked – see, he pulled in, in – okay, so that play for the interception, he was um, in a three-point stance, I believe, and backed out into a zone coverage in which Joshua right. Dobbs didn't backed see him. Backed out really late. Yeah. Right. Um, the kicking competition, Aldrich Rosa said a 50-yard field goal. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that you should overreact to besides injuries in the preseason, it's kicking and punting. Because I think that's the one thing that's pretty universal. Unless there's a bad snap or a bad hold or something. Um, but there's small sample sizes too. You know, if you, you have one kick and you miss it, you know, your job is on the line for it. And I think it's a little rough. So I, I think, I think the kicking competition is determined more what happens during practice than you know these games. The Giants kicked four field goals. All four of them were good. Two for Rosas, two for Nugent. Um, I thought Nugent had one really, really short kickoff, I think, that went to the three-yard line. 
Um, that's a negative in his favor because I mean this is this is the whole point of what we didn't have with Robbie Gold last year was a guy who could right. kick it deep. I'm, we can we can transition this in a little bit, but uh, Nugent missed two field goals in practice today. So I, I think I think at this point it's almost obvious. Yeah, I think they brought him in to create competition. I think that competition has been won already. Yeah. So I would like to see them cut him sooner than later, so you can try to latch on another job somewhere. But if they, all they brought him in was to validate what they already believed. You know, they should just kind of move on, let him let him get all the kicks in in, in the rotation yeah, during the game, get as many reps as possible. Yeah, exactly. Why why dick around with a a competition is not really a competition. Makes sense to me. There were a couple of farts in this game. I'm going to call them farts going out from Go here on out. Um, Valentino Blake had a, an interception that was mostly uh, due to Kerry Wynn rushing the quarterback and a severely underthrown pass. Um, and in fact, Blake only made the interception because he was already out of position. Um, he was further burned two more times deep down the field. He's completely out of position. He was a guy who was brought in mostly as a special teams guy, but hopefully to be that fourth or fifth cornerback spot, which we have outlined is was so crucial to the loss to the Green Bay Packers last year in the playoffs. Um, I don't think he's got it. At this point, it seems to me that Michael Hunter, who has been sensational in training camp um, and not at all, I don't think, targeted against in the preseason game, it looks like he's fallen behind him, and it looks like he's also fallen behind Dante Dion. I don't think Valentino Blake is going to make the roster based on abysmal showing, um, and and nothing good that I've heard in camp either. I had Dante Dion as one of my farts. Also, he, he kind of scared the hell out of me back there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Dante Dion. We, we didn't mention this. Uh, Dwayne Harris was also a healthy scratch. They threw Dwayne, uh, Dante Dion in punt returns, and he muffed the punt. That was no good. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going right. to be a spot for him. Right. Um, in coverage, he he didn't look great. It's going to be a competition between those two. Whereas when Valentino Blake was brought in, it looked like he was going to be competing with Michael Hunter for the fourth spot. It looks like he's now fallen to competing for the fifth spot. Is really where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, we already hit Josh Johnson. He looked terrible. Uh, Roger Lewis looked bad also on offense. On on special teams, he still looked fantastic. Uh, gunning. On punts specifically, he looked great. Uh, we have a Dwayne Harris already, though, for that. If that's all he's good for. Yeah, if that's all he's good for. And I, and I also think he's also in the uh, the shit house with the uh, the DUI thing early in the year too. So yeah, he he dropped a couple of passes. He didn't look too good. Um, Weston Richburg <laughs> didn't have a great game either. He he struggled a little bit with, uh, admittedly, a good defensive front. But this is a guy who wants a contract extension kind of thing. It wasn't all that great the second half of last year either. So, no. I mean, we had made excuses Maybe for hurt. him that he had hurt his hand, but it's now been a full off season. He should be pile driving guys. You're right. This is go time. If this is his contract year, so he needs to show it starting right now. Yeah, those those were my farts. Did you have any worse farts? I wouldn't necessarily call them farts, but I think it's one of these things where we heard some buzz about. Well, maybe Chai Wheeler can you know compete for the starting left tackle job, and the answer is no. No. So that was what I would call a complete overreaction. Yes. Um, so Chad Wheeler had himself a very good practice. He was rewarded with some first-team reps in practice, and that report of him getting ahead of Eric Flowers on the depth chart was completely blown out of proportion. And and to beat writers' credit, every beat writer that I read told people not to read into it, just that it had happened, and he was rewarded for you know a good practice. 
Uh, he mm-hmm. looked pretty terrible. He looked. He he got a a lesson. We'll say that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not necessarily putting the the fart on him. I'm putting the fart on the people that you know. Again, because of their overreactions to what Eric Flowers is thinking. Oh, this guy can compete. You know, long, long way to go. For, you know, from being you know a guy like him to you know an, an, a guy to, to compete for a starting job like that. So let's pump the brakes. Yeah. Um, I, I have notes on here saying you know we're about a year away from having some really good, capable backups on the offensive line. Um, you know, all these guys are young, but they're very raw. So you know. Let's get through this year. You know, hopefully not having to rely on some of these rookies to play in the offensive line. Yeah, we we, we outlined it. This is a very young offensive line unit, um, and then the backups, like you said, Adam Biznawadi didn't look too bad. He looked, mm-hmm. you know, like a sixth round pick out there. Uh, Chad Wheeler has shown that he, I think he's shown that he belongs on an NFL roster to develop or maybe a practice squad. Yeah, the, I, I don't want to say practice squad because I don't think he'll make it through waivers. That's yeah, exactly. Right. I think they got to keep him on the fifty-three, but yeah, um, yeah. That that was pretty much our, my notes from the game as it relates to practice. Uh, most of those guys that we outlined all had great practices. Training Let me camp. ask you something. Yeah. Let me ask you something, uh, Grump. Who doesn't have a great practice from the reports you hear? I mean, think about it. The media doesn't get to see that much, and you know, I take that great practice with a with a grain of salt when of I always hear absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and beat writers can they have they do not have a great angle. They're not exactly looking at coaches' film. They're wherever they're allowed to stand, and sometimes things are on the far field. They can't see anything. So I always take it with a grain of salt, even if I'm looking at video of something because it's not always yeah. the best angle. I have no idea what the play call is. I can't really see what the hell is going on. Um, so yeah. what I do is I take notes of these people who look good in practice, people who don't look good in practice, and there are a few. They get called out for mm-hmm. screwing up. Um, right. And I look for them in games. And th- that's the whole exercise of what we're doing here. You know, I want to see what all the hype is about because that's all it is is hype. Um, mm-hmm. but, but Darius Powell is a guy who's gotten a lot of hype. He unfortunately played mostly with Josh Johnson and was hardly targeted. He did draw a pass interference call, which is a thing. Um, Darius Powell has something that the other guys like Roger Lewis don't have, and that's size. He's comparable to Brandon Marshall in terms of height. I think he's six three. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that this wide receiver group as a whole doesn't have. Guys that are not having good training camps today. Eric Flowers had a bad practice. From every account I've seen, he was abused by Olivier Vernon. Like you said, two steps forward, he- one step back. He's also practicing every day against a very, very good, you know, <laughs> defensive end. It's very true. You know, you. But at the same time, you know, you know, we we went we went through the season. They're going to be playing the Oakland Raiders. You know, you if you think they're not going to line Khalil Mack right up against him, you, you got sure. another thing coming. And so he's got oh, yeah, to come yeah. up with something to make it happen. Right. Oh, agreed. 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 So. Um, the only other thing I want to mention from practice is Odell Beckham had one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> God, I saw that today too. Right <laughs> over Janoris Jenkins, one hand, and he he fooled him by mistiming his jump like intentionally and in the wrong direction because Janoris Jenkins didn't have his the head guy, turned around. He almost does a disservice to himself because he does it so often that you start taking things like that for granted. If you would never saw any of the other amazing catches he had either in practice or games, you'd be like – Holy shit, that's the best catch I've ever seen. Now it's like, where is that ranking his top three? Yeah, it's it's you know? incredible. Um, so the only other news is the, since the last time we talked, a suspension was handed out to Ezekiel Elliott. It is yes. in the amount of six games. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I mean, the NFL has to come up with a, a coherent policy what they're going to do about domestic violence. You know, they you know they were way too too little with the Ray Rice thing. You know, is six games, which is you know more than a third of a season. Is that the uh, is that the the equitable punishment? You know, even something where he hasn't even been charges filed. Um, but having said that, that's what the punishment is, and I expect him to be out for six games. Uh, you know, he's going to file an appeal, but I think the NFL wants to get the decision made as fast as possible. I don't think this is going to, you know, the actual appeal is going to not going to linger on until the season. I think we will know before the giant game, whether he's playing in that game or not. I think they stick with it and, you know, and then they move on. Uh, it's just really interesting that Jerry Jones has been so adamantly defending the guy from day one. You know, all the evidence I've seen has been nothing to acquit, to uh, indict him or this and that and everything. He's really been out of his way to uh, to say that he's innocent. So six games is, according to the rule book, the staple for domestic violence as the the barometer of what the punishment is, and based on a review of documents, can be less than that. Um, I thought that as I started to pay more attention and it just didn't seem to go away. It, it occurred to me that, you know, this guy's going to get punished for this. This is really not going away. Um, and I thought the biggest disservice that happened to the Cowboys in this was that the decision on how long to suspend him or if at all to suspend him took way too long. And it was almost unfair that it came until now, the dawn of the season on whether or not he was going to play. It later broke from an, uncon- uh, an anonymous source from Adam Schefter that the reason it took so long is because the NFLPA dragged its feet in giving the NFL the documents it needed to review how long to suspend it for, which to me says that whatever Jerry Jones was looking at was not enough. There was something here that was going to be a PR nightmare, and that's what this is. This isn't about whether or not he got charged or that he did it. It doesn't matter if he did it or not. He did enough to make the NFL look bad and violated the personal conduct policy. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with whether or not he did it. That's and, this kind of that's kind of that's kind of the thing with the Tom Brady thing too. Exactly. The, the whether he's using a uh, an inf- a deflated ball or not is probably twenty five percent of the story and twenty five percent of the timeline in the entire case. You know, it, it becomes a thing of you know, uh, you know, throwing away cell phones and, and, and destroying cell phones and and uh, you know, hindering the investigation and those are the things where the big suspension came on. Yeah. You know and. You know, if the PA is dragging his feet, the question becomes why are they dragging their feet? I think the thing is is that they know that this is an ambiguous thing, the personal conduct. And I don't know if he did it. I, I have not seen enough evidence to say that, yeah, he did something here. I'm just saying that they knew that there was enough there that he violated at least the personal conduct policy. And that's why they were all, dragging their feet. All I'm saying was who recruited him in college. Yeah. <laughs> and all I'm saying is as someone who, who you know, yes, got the fruits of – said coaches, uh, you know, successes also had to endear a lot of guys who are very similar to that on my campus too. You know, the Chris Rainey's of, of the world and the, uh, you know, the Pouncey twins and the, and the Percy Harbins Brandon and the Spikes. Tim T- and the Brandon Spikes and the Tim Tebow's just kidding. Not Tim Tebow, but, uh, happy, by the way, happy Tim Tebow day, everybody. Um, but <laughs> dare you and this is not but a Mets it, broadcast uh, <laughs> but anyway you know there's a pattern so uh, again 
you can't connect what Chris Rainey did to what he did, but it's not shocking to me that he could be messed up in something like this. No, it's not shocking to me either. Um, it is what it is. It, I, I think he's going to appeal it. They might shave off a game or two. I think there's a 0% chance that he plays the uh, opening weekend. Um, and the uh, according to James Cratch from NJ.com, who I communicated with on Twitter, the only way that his appeal process can stall the first game and allow him to play is if he appeals the way Tom Brady did in the court system and not through the NFL's um, appeal process. And that in that way, he would be challenging Roger Goodell's ability to enforce the CBA, which has already been ruled upon in the Tom Brady case, and he has no shot of winning. A 0% it's, chance it's, of winning. It's, it's, it's also not going to happen. You're not going to set the precedent of going to the courts every time you know, the courts may Goodell makes here. a ruling. They, the, the courts may throw it out immediately just based on the fact that it's Exactly. Uh, based on precedent. Exactly. You know, so. And that's why you have a CBA. You, know, you make rulings, and it's, it's, it's binding. And – both sides accept, you know, the agreements that are made in, and the agreement is that, you know, in layman's terms, Roger Goodell is the jury, judge, and executioner. Yeah, sucks, but that's what you negotiated. So, you know, next time they'll take that a look. It'll be very curious to see when the, uh, you know, they, they open up the uh, negotiations for the next CBA. What happens? You know, is that something they're going to look into or not? The biggest argument I've seen that has any merit as to why this is unfair is the Josh Brown argument in that Josh Brown was reviewed for the same thing. He had his his suspension cut down, and then as documents leaked to the media, the pressure was on the NFL. And that is a valid argument. That that was horseshit. It's just like Ray Rice. This is cause and effect, though. This is cause and effect. What this punishment is is because they let up on Josh Brown and it was a PR nightmare. They're not going to let that happen again. Right. that's why that happened. It was also like Ray Rice where – they made a ruling and then some more evidence of the same crime. It's not like he did it again. It's just another view of it. They increased the penalty and that, that's not fair either. And that that scandal, which by the way was years ago and has no business being you know, re- reflected or compared to here, that's what set this precedent. It's cause and effect. You can't, you can't now go back and be like, well, how come Ray Rice only got X amount of games and you know, now Zeke is getting six? He, Zeke's getting six because of Ray Rice. This yeah, I mean, all this is happening. Yeah, Duh. and also this because is, of what is, Josh Brown got, and also because of what Josh Brown got. So, so I mean, the the NFL is going to continually tweak what they feel is the appropriate punishment to it, and what's you know passes prologue. You can't worry about it, like you said, yeah. what was done before. Yeah. Well, so that that's going to wrap it up for us. If something happens during the week of major importance, a major injury or major news involving the Giants, we might jump on for a real quick one. But I think the plan next week is we will, uh, you know, we will um, we'll all watch the Monday night game and we'll we'll discuss what we saw. Kind of in a similar format to this, you know. We get ready for the regular season. We'll start doing you know Friday Monday shows. Previews and reviews. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. I will be live tweeting the game Monday nights. Again, at football underscore grump on Twitter. Yeah, he does a nice job with with live tweeting. You you should definitely follow along. Uh, You can follow me at the cranky fan. Uh, You know, this time of year, I'm talking a lot about my horrible Tampa Bay Rays spiral into last place. Uh, Cautiously optimistic about my Florida Gators and. By the way, my, follow my companion show, Mark and the Cranky Fan. We talk all things Florida Gators, also on iTunes. If you like us on iTunes, you know, leave a five-star review or a five-star rating and a nice review. And if you hate us, 
Give us a four-star rating and a <laughs> shitty review. I don't know. <laughs> All right. And don't forget to follow the podcast on there for any updates to the to the show. And, you know, maybe if we have an emergency broadcast, you'll be able to find it out there as well. It's at Just Giants Pod. And you can shoot us an email at JustGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.